Hello and welcome back to the Thrive for Life podcast with me, your host, Ashling Daly. My guest this week is an incredibly talented author, actor, creator of the hit comedy drama series Can't Cope, Won't Cope. It is, of course, Stephanie Preisner. In this episode, Stephanie and I chat about the art of saying no, something that I think many of us struggle with, which is also the topic for her latest book, Can I Say No? Stephanie also reveals how she manages her own health and well-being in this episode. I hope you enjoy. I'm joined today by award-winning writer for screen and stage, author, director and actor, the ridiculously talented Stephanie Preisner. Stephanie, you're very welcome to the Thrive for Life podcast. Thank you so much for having me and that list. I'm like, Jesus, Stephanie, pick a, pick a job, like <laughs> stop with all these forward slashes. Why pick you. one? Why pick one? Exactly. So firstly, congratulations on the release of your new book, Can I Say No?, which I have here in front of me. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, so you might just give the listeners a brief overview of what this whole book is about. What's the concept? Yeah, so um, basically no was the first word that I ever said. It was my first word and it's all I said for about a month um, as a child. And then I kind of forgot how to say it for about 26 years. And then I had to learn how to say it again. And it's really hard because I don't know if it's because I'm a woman or because I'm an only child or because of something that happened in school. But... I want to be liked. I think we all want to be liked. And I feel sometimes that like in order to be liked and loved and accepted, I have to like do things that people want me to do to make them happy. That I'm not enough just by myself um, as I am. And that that kind of thinking got me into a lot of trouble when I was a yes woman because um, it meant that I kind of lost my sense. I lost how important my desires were. And I sort of put desirability ahead of my own desires and so this book is about me looking at the concept of saying no how important it is to say no but then also I swung the other direction and said no to absolutely everything for a few years and how that makes life really small and um you know refusing every opportunity that you get can make you you know isolated and lonely and and not achieve like achieve a lot in one area of your life but you know not very much in 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 a balanced way and so the book is about kind of finding a balance with yes and no okay excellent and do you think it's a very irish thing to not be able to say no is is people pleasing a very irish thing do you think i used to think that but then um ariana huffington who set up the huffington post um she actually blurbed the book for me so she was the first person to read it and give the quote for the cover and I thought I like I had the opportunity to ask her, so I was like, I can't not ask her because she's so, like, I I'm so inspired by her. Mm-hmm. I think she's amazing, um. But also like you know I talk about like, Bosco in the book, and I talk about the den and, coloring pencils that we had in and and like specifically things in Mallow and Saint Mary's in Mallow, and it's a very Irish book. But so I was afraid that she wouldn't get it. But she gave the cover quote, which says, um. You know what Stephanie outlines is that our value and worth are not tied to how compliant or agreeable we are, and so she understood that she's American, she's Greek. So I don't think that it's particularly an Irish problem, but this this need to people please. But I do think that Irish people, in general, have a natural tendency towards you know like self deprecating and 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 I think it actually is kind of a colonial hangover because we were like colonized by the British and put down for those, for all that time that we sometimes still have that sort of like bloodline trauma of being victims but I don't think that it's necessarily an Irish thing 
Okay. And will you celebrate now that you've launched your second book or will you relax for a while or is it straight into the next projects? Yeah, so I'm actively trying. So I have this problem, which is that um, I'm very ambitious and Mm -hmm. I do see it as a problem because I think that ambition does something to you where you can never really enjoy a success in the moment. It's like ambition pushes your happiness onto the horizon of the next success and so when I wrote my first book I was like I'll be happy when I write a book and then the minute I was done I was like I need to do another one I need to like first series of Can't Cope Won't Cope I want a second series I want another show I want this and I can't it's like I can't enjoy it naturally Mm -hmm. so I have to actually take active steps because it doesn't come naturally to be like no I'm not going to talk about future projects I'm going to enjoy this moment I wrote a book I wanted to write a book now I've written it it's in my hands and it's also a really long process you know like mm-hmm. I finished that book at the end of last year so I have moved on to other things because right. I have to pay my bills you yes, know so like yeah. I have to keep working and so when you get the book in your hand you're like oh yeah that thing that I wrote last year um but I'm trying to actively stop and take a minute be like okay I did it like I made something where there was nothing before yeah and yeah naturally my mind is always racing and on to the next thing so I'm just trying to like take a second celebrate hang out with friends you know went for dinner with my mom and my boyfriend last night and you know trying to just take a second to be like you dreamed of this like you mm-hmm. you called this into being and now you need to acknowledge it because I have this natural tendency to to turn I can also like turn a blessing into a burden where like I say in my head I'm like oh I really want to write a book I want to do a book launch I want to do a book signing then on the day of the book signing I can be like oh god there's going to be so many people and I have to talk and people are going to want to take my picture and what do I look like and I just turn this blessing which is something that I wanted into a burden so I'm actually trying to really actively not do that so yeah so you kind of have to pinch yourself yeah and be realize, like, you wanted this yeah. and now you got it enjoy it yeah exactly um and you mentioned about the the book you actually finished it at the end of last year so could you tell me a little bit about the process of writing a book it must be very stressful trying to meet deadlines and how do you manage the stress and the pressure of it and yeah so I'm pretty good with the time aspect of things the stress I'm not so good at it comes at me unilaterally I don't see it coming but the so for the first draft of the book it had to be uh 70,000 words so I did maths and was like, okay, that's 2,000 words a day, five days a week for seven weeks. So I got up in the morning and I, I get up really early um, just because that's naturally when my body wakes. And I wrote 2,000 words every day for five days. And then at the end of seven weeks, I had 70,000 words. Now, I would imagine that maybe 50,000 of those are in the book, which is 80,000 words, if you okay. know what I mean, you know? Yeah. But that first draft, but that first draft was a book called No, Full Stop, It's a Full Sentence. And it was before I realised that I needed to find a balance. So in the process of writing the book, I realised that I needed to find a balance between saying yes and no, because saying no had actually led me to having a very small life. And I was writing the book, realising, oh God, like, I, you know, my editor came back and was like, yeah, but like, what are the positives of saying no? And I'm like, well, I, I get a lot of sleep and I have a lot of time to work dot 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 Mm -hmm. like and what else you know so then I started saying I took a break from writing that book we changed the title which sounds like a really calm process but actually I had a bit of a breakdown was like I can't write this book and they were like yes you can it's just a different book than you thought it was 
So I took a little break, started saying yes to things, started hanging out with my friends, you know, or lying on the couch watching, or I don't really like watching TV, reading a lot of books. And um, then I started writing Can I Say No, which was the second half of the book kind of I had to change about about the so um it was those seven weeks of writing two thousand words a day, then a bit of a breakdown and my editor building me back up, a little break and then a couple of months of back and forth where she would read the book and be like, It would be interesting to have an anecdote here or you're kind of repeating yourself here or this bit isn't that interesting. Um so that would have gone on probably for about two months. Okay. And that's kind of how so you're quite disciplined with the getting up and writing the 2000 words a day. Yeah, I always railed against this idea that like people who are creative, because obviously I trained as an actor, I studied drama, I work in theatre as well. There's this sort of um, stereotypical vision of an artist or, or a creative person that they're like, you know, they're night owls or they have no routine and they're always late and they can't. It's not a real job. You know, they just kind of float through life. Waiting for inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like that idea. I I show up to my laptop every morning and you know, there is something that happens. Like there is some creative thing that I can't describe, which is that like when I sit down to write something, I don't know what I'm going to write. And then I write it and then at the end it's there. But I couldn't have told you at the start. So there is something I'm not gonna say magical, but like you know, there's something that I don't understand there. But I've never had to pull into the side of the road because I have just had such a good idea that I mm-hmm. need to write it down. I show up every day and that thing that I won't call magic, I think it trusts me that I'm going to show up every day and so it doesn't have to like railroad me outside of the road when I'm trying to do okay. something else. Like it knows that if I show up, then I'm doing my bit. And sometimes I show up and every time I open my laptop, and this might sound ridiculous, but I open my laptop and I say, okay, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And so I've shown up and sometimes I don't have anything to say and sometimes nothing comes out, but I've shown up. Yeah, and I've held my side of the bargain and I continue to do that five days a week but I don't write eight hours a day and I don't you know because I can't it's exhausting creating mm-hmm. something out of nothing so I do a couple of hours and then I sort of like to get those done early in the morning and then I have the rest of the day to see friends or see my grandmother you know go to a doctor's appointment go to like a walk around have a coffee or then like you know do like accounting stuff or meet my agent or the other things that I have to do that aren't writing which there are a lot of um but I think if I was just writing eight hours a day it'd be very lonely as well because it's such an isolate uh, it's such a solitary task Mm -hmm. exactly yeah uh you mentioned that you went to the extremes of saying no Mm -hmm. for people that are at the other extreme that say yes to everything they might be thinking okay what what's the benefit of me starting to say no more so what do you think are the benefits for someone who is always saying yes well, to start I, saying no the way that I thought about it it's like you're saying yes so that other people are happy with you and if that makes you happy then then you keep doing it you know but if you feel like there's a little seed of doubt where you're like I think that I am not very happy in this current way that I'm living you have to look at like is somebody else's comfort and happiness with you more important than your own happiness and for some people the answer is yes because they're so far from, I guess, like caring about themselves and prioritizing themselves that like to put themselves first seems really selfish. Mm-hmm. But I started to look at the word selfish in a different way, which is like I if I fill my cup up first, then I can like pour the water from my cup into other people's cups as I see fit. But if I have nothing to give, then I can't share. 
And so the benefits I found from saying no are that, you know, the one real benefit is that when I say yes, people know that I am showing up with all of my heart fully because I want to be there. Because there's nothing worse than inviting someone, let's say, for a coffee or you asking me to do this podcast and knowing that I don't really want to be here and you're sitting opposite me. But because I don't say yes to everything, when I do say yes, people know that I am sitting here because I fully want to be here. And if I come and meet you for a coffee or if I drive you to the airport or if I attend your wedding or your relative's funeral or or just some sort of party you know that I am there with all of my heart and there's no resentment I'm not going to be like slightly annoyed that you took me away from Britain's Got Talent you know whatever Mm -hmm. the thing is and so the huge benefit for me is that my relationships have flourished because when I show up I'm fully there Mm -hmm. and there's nothing in me that is like I wish I was not here yeah and that's been kind of transformative I mean there's other things like I get to do things that I want to do and I don't have any like I don't have any arguments with my friends anymore because there's no latent resentments where I'm like oh you don't appreciate what I do for you you know Mm -hmm. because I was doing so much for people and they didn't know that I was going out of my way to do it so they couldn't thank me in the way that I needed to be thanked for Mm -hmm. putting myself out you know um so those are some of the benefits that kind of I've had and how could you drop the guilt? So someone who's constantly saying yes, that first time they're going to say no to something where they've usually said yes to it, how do they release that feeling of guilt for saying no? Is there any advice you'd give? Oh, like you do have to survive it. That's yeah. it for me. Like you, there is, and still even now, like you still have to survive that moment of saying no. It's the flash of disappointment across somebody's face when you are like, when you know they're going to be disappointed or shocked. And I'm not going to lie to you, like, there are relationships that have not survived me saying no. Because people were just friends with me because I was useful to them. And that was really hard for me to understand after all those years that, like, once I started, you know, like, I was the bag watcher. Mm -hmm. So when we went on nights out, I was the girl who sat and watched everyone's bags. And once that changed, and I was like, no, actually, maybe I want to dance people were like yeah but who's gonna watch our bags and it was my fault as well because I had always done it so obviously they assumed that I would continue to do it and when that changes they have to find somebody else to mind the bags right and that's upsetting for them and maybe if all they wanted me around for was to watch my bags and I wasn't doing that anymore then you know they didn't what was need me yeah, yeah. so some relationships don't survive and so in order so for me I find that moment of guilt that moment very difficult so I do things to kind of erase it so I will say like someone will ask me something in work I never travel with my diary I always carry a day journal but I never bring it into a meeting so if someone asks me something I can say I don't have my diary on me now can I get back to you on that I need to look at my schedule that's a clever tip yeah because then you don't have to do it in person um and I I generally don't ever say no straight away now because I know that I need to think about things and my natural instinct is to like either say yes or say no and sometimes I need to consider things because I'm an introvert and an extrovert and sometimes I don't want to throw if I'm in my extroverted phase I don't want to throw introverted Stephanie under a bus Mm -hmm. and so I'll always say like can I get back to you on that um and then if I have to say no on a text message I like throw in some emojis or I throw in some like extra syllables so I'll be like hey 
with loads of whys. So sorry, I can't do this, but emoji, emoji, emoji. You know, love, softening the blow, love, Steph, <laughs> yeah. compliment sandwiches. And uh, I, you know, so I have like little tips and tricks that I learned from the nose that I have received where I do that. And, right. But you do have to reconcile the fact that some people won't be happy. But if they're not happy with you saying no in your best interest, then I don't think that it's a relationship that maybe needs to continue. But that doesn't make it any less upsetting when you realise that someone is only your friend because you do what they say. True. Okay, uh, so we might look a little bit at your lifestyle now next, Stephanie. Um, So you might take me through a typical day. So what's a typical day for you or do you have a typical day? I know you said you, you get up early, you write early. I am a cr- I like I love routine so I have a very strong routine I wake up when I wake up so I don't set an alarm okay um that for several reasons I don't have to I have a heart a very slow heart rate and alarms it, it's a heart condition um and so alarms jolt my heart like they, they kind of shock me and then I get a bit shaky so I don't I just wake naturally um but I usually wake at around 5 a.m maybe a little bit before because I've gotten eight hours sleep I like to go to bed early during the week. So I will get up and I will make a coffee and I will come back to my desk and I will open my laptop and I will say I'm here. And then I will what I call work. So sometimes that means writing, but sometimes I'm editing. Sometimes I'm researching, which could mean scrolling through Twitter, scrolling through Pinterest, Instagram. And it genuinely is research. Like I might Mm -hmm. be researching one character plot where I need to like because obviously I don't have all of the experiences that all of my characters have. Some of my characters are mothers or they're fathers or they're brothers. And I need to like approach those things in a certain way to get a little bit of insight. And then I always watch Ireland AM, which is ridiculous. But I will put on Ireland AM at seven o'clock in the background. And is that part of your research or just for purely for pleasure? I really like the. It's sort of a gentle entry to the day where I don't watch it but it's on in the background so I get the news cycle and I get the weather and then you know someone is like cooking a darn of salmon at quarter to nine in the morning and you're like why and they're eating it but anyway so I have breakfast then at eight and I'll be away from my desk for breakfast so I actually then like sit down watch 8am Ireland AM watch the news watch in the papers have my breakfast and then usually my housemate will come downstairs and we'll have a coffee, we'll talk, he'll tell me about his dreams or like whatever's happening in his life. So from eight to nine is like my own breakfast time. And then he goes to work and I get dressed, finish my writing if I'm on deadline or I'll take my laptop and head out. And then the day is like different all the time. I have always have my lunch between uh, half 12 and half one routine like that never changes sometimes it's with someone sometimes it's not with someone do you always have your lunch out or i know sometimes i'll have it myself um i'll get some like i always cook my own dinner like unless i'm like very very rarely like we'll go out for dinner but i always cook my own dinner so lunch is often out because in dublin i'm spoiled for choices like um and i can get like healthy things that i that i enjoy um and then I'll usually like see my grandmother or see someone in the afternoon and I'm I love my favourite thing in the evening is like at around quarter past five I come in and I close the door behind me. I'm like, I am not leaving again. And I don't because I don't really enjoy being out in the evening, I don't enjoy like 
group activities. I've been up since very early, so I'm quite tired at that point. So I might have a friend over or I might go to the cinema or something, but I'm not like coming into power nap to get dressed to go out again, you know? Um, and we're usually in bed then around half eight or nine. I know no phones in the bedroom is like a thing, but I don't do that. I okay. love having my phone in my bed. Um, scroll through, watch my Instagram stories. They're almost like bedtime. I prefer watching Instagram than watching television. Um, but I might Instagram and then read and then go to sleep. So you don't find the phone distracts your or, uh, disrupts your sleep in any way? No, no, I don't. No. I don't find Not the phone you. does. But I find what I watch can disrupt my sleep. So I have to be very careful on Instagram, like who I follow, mm-hmm. because if I start getting into a comparative mode at night time. Or actually anytime, it's not great. So I cycle through different followings on Instagram. So sometimes I follow just like motivational accounts. Sometimes I just follow comedy accounts. Sometimes I just follow fitness accounts. And then like, like if I'm following a fitness account for a week, for like the first couple of days I feel amazing. I feel like I'm part of something, you know, like really healthy and like progressive. And then by the end of the week, I'm like feeling terrible because I'm not doing hundred sit-ups like this guy wants me to do plus you know the 50 lunges that this woman wants me to do plus the juice cleanse that this woman is advocating for and then I just have to unfollow all fitness accounts and just follow like comedy accounts so I have a very curated relationship with Instagram where I often will just unfollow everyone Mm -hmm. and then follow different accounts that's that's good advice I think comparison is is deadly on Instagram isn't it yeah it's horrific and even the accounts that like really try to be honest and just show you like the real life versions of themselves it's still a real life version that they're choosing like if you're having a really awful day or something terrible is happening people don't we don't naturally want to film that so like if i'm having a stressful morning because i don't know my agent has found some issue with a contract i don't want to put that on instagram because i actually have to focus on fixing the problem and so even if I then later come on Instagram and like, I just want to share with you how awful my day has been because I want to be real on here. You still aren't seeing the reality of the thing. And so even our worst selves are comparatively less bad than the reality of it. So um, just trying to, as whenever I go into Instagram, in the same way that when I open my laptop, I say, I'm here. When I go into Instagram, I just say, this isn't real. Now let mm-hmm. me watch. So I do watch it kind of like Netflix okay. where I'm like, here is what this person wants me to see about their life you know yeah and instagram is is part of your typical day too isn't it you're great yeah. for sharing stories and especially with your nana yeah my nana very is enjoyable gas on instagram well she doesn't really like she knows that i record her because she can see me holding my phone but i don't think she fully knows what instagram is but i'll often tag she loves like ryan tuberty more and dotty all the irish you know chat show people and i'll often tag them because i work with them and so you know they see her they respond and then she yeah. just thinks that that is gas so she does understand to a point that like the things she does in her home reach people outside of her home and they respond um but she's a massive inspiration when it comes to saying no because she just doesn't do anything that she doesn't want to do like i was on the late late show a while back and she or recently enough and she you know she was invited on the show and to be in the audience and she was just like no i don't want to you're like okay cool like she's yeah. not sugarcoating it she's like no that's not something i want to do and she doesn't do it yeah it's amazing fair play to her um so just st- sticking with lifestyle 
how important is time management to you or what's your approach to time management so you're quite structured and that you have your routine in the morning for someone that struggles with managing their time effectively would you have any tips how do you just get on with things in the time slots that you allow having time slots I think that okay. some people have like my best friend Rachel has a really strange relationship with time like if she has to be somewhere at four o'clock she'll leave her house at four o'clock and because it doesn't come naturally to her like it does to me I have to say to her like you need to incorporate time for transport and so we'll often go through things together in the morning where she's like I have so much to do today and I need to get it all done and I'll say okay what time are you having breakfast nine to half nine okay great where do you have to be next? At 11 o'clock, I have to be in the city. Okay, so you, how long does it take to travel to the city? She's like, mm, 10 minutes. I'm like, no, it doesn't take 10 minutes. It takes much longer than 10 minutes. So backtrack. Oh, I probably want to get a coffee. So first of all, we schedule, which to her sounds awful. Like it makes her feel like she's in school. It makes her feel timetabled. And she hates it. But sometimes it's a necessity. You just have to accept that like if you need to get loads of things done in a day, you timetable it. But then conversely, she also operates her life now where she knows she hates scheduling. She knows she hates timekeeping. So she'll only schedule like one thing in a day or two things max because she knows it's not her strong point. And that releases the pressure because I think we can often go through life thinking like, I'm terrible at time management, therefore I'm terrible. I'm always late. I and I'm just uh, like people showing. I know people who apologize as a greeting. Hi, I'm sorry I'm late. Mm-hmm. It's like you can take the pressure off yourself and like not be going around your life as an apology if you accept that time management is not your style, not your skill, and not book yourself for so many things, so that when you do book things, you can you can timetable them but it won't feel like you're in secondary school so you only have to have that secondary school feeling maybe three times a week when you actually have to put things in place to be on time do you know what I mean yeah Um, and apart from that just someone once said to me when I was in youth theatre we had this director and she was very stringent on like rules and timekeeping and she had a rule which was that early is on time on time is late and late is unacceptable and I mean, I do say that at least a couple of times a week when I'm like maybe three minutes early for something. And that to me feels late. Like right. if I'm three minutes early. I'm like, oh God, I'm so sorry. But I don't apologize because then the other person feels bad because they're probably even later than me. Um, But I guess not beating yourself up for being late if you've taken all of the steps to not be, you know. True. Good, good tip. Um, So sleep, we've spoken about sleep exercise is that part of your typical day do you yeah so i have an apple watch i used to have a fitbit and mm-hmm. i used to try and do ten thousand steps a day and i became kind of addicted to that and it didn't seem like a healthy habit anymore it's interesting isn't it when like your healthy habits can like dip into unhealthiness true that happened to me with my fitness pal as well when i was tracking and i was like oh this is a healthy habit mm-hmm. it's like oh no now it's not because now i'm obsessed with it and like so i often think to myself if i didn't do this for a week how would i feel yeah. And if it's like obsessed, then it has to go. So now I have an Apple Watch and I have it set for goals, which are that like I'm active for 30 minutes in the day. And that is a goal that is easy for me to reach. It means that like if I don't, if I don't try, then I probably get to like 26 minutes. So there is a little bit of effort on my part. So it just means that I will like often get off a stop later, a stop earlier on the bus. 
but get the bus whereas before I would have like walked in and then been just kind of depleted um so I do 30 active minutes a day and that just yeah that like you can get that just kind of walking around and then some days like if I'm in Mallow because Dublin is obviously much bigger so walking between things takes longer if I'm in Mallow I do probably have to do 10 extra minutes of like I'll just walk to the shop and back just to get these 10 minutes in yeah um but I don't do it in the rain now which I used to like okay. be quite cruel to myself where I'm yeah. like I have to do this it's like no look weather permitting you don't have to close this activity ring um and then I go to the gym just two times a week um for 45 minutes and I lift heavy things because yeah. I have um yeah I've been told that I have like some osteo issues so I need to take calcium and lift things to keep my bone density up um but apart from that I so I, I do that on a Wednesday and a Friday at 10 a.m with a trainer because I need that for accountability and also not really accountability actually I don't need it for accountability I'm accountable to myself but I need it for boredom because mm-hmm. if I go to the gym by myself I just get bored and I'm like I can't rely on motivation because sometimes it's just not there and if I have to like lift a dead like if I have to do a bi- 10 bicep curls after three my mind is like Ari you'll be grand after six yeah and then I don't have the strength to like talk myself out of that I'll just put it down after six so if I have someone it's not that he's like come on you have to do ten he's actually just talking to me about the news or his life and I just get distracted away from that voice that's like Ari your brand just do six yeah and then all of a sudden I've done ten and I feel great yeah I try to have a gentle approach to exercise now yeah it's a healthy approach yeah I hope so um so what are the next projects that you're going to be working on now that book two has been released so gonna enjoy book two for a while and then i'm working with bbc3 on a new show that is actually an adaptation of one of my early plays so that's super fun because i get to like jump back into that theater voice but also bring my new skills as a screenwriter to it and i have to do this book tour so i'm going to be doing a bit of media around the book for a while and yeah there's other things in the pipeline but uh i try not to like talk about too many things but just like enjoy the ones that i have definitely exactly brilliant so just two last uh, questions to finish what are your three healthiest habits stephanie okay one getting eight hours sleep i am a different person when i've had eight hours sleep like I really am I think it changes everything so when I get eight hours sleep I'm really grateful for it and when I get eight hours sleep it's the first thing I do when I wake up I show gratitude for that eight hours because I don't know where it comes from sometimes I don't sleep so well and then so sleeping uh laughing I try to I mean I can't actively try to laugh but I try to hang around with people who make me laugh because I don't naturally it's something that I can't do by myself Mm -hmm. I don't burst out laughing at the television or when I read but I have a few friends who I just gas and we just have stupid nonsense fun so I like to laugh and then I think just having a routine having something that makes me feel really safe when when I'm out of it I can cope now and I can be like okay yeah we're on holidays we're doing this but there's just something so comforting and coming back and being like ah yes Ireland AM breakfast Mm -hmm. do something lunch do something close the door dinner bed you know um, so having a routine is really good for my mental health because it makes me feel safe. Excellent. And if you had to pick one quote to live by for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, 
There is actually a quote that I think of all the time, which is, this too shall pass. And I think about it when things are good, and I think about it when things are bad. So like, I'm at the moment, I'm on a high, the book is out, everyone's being lovely. I think like, oh, this is going to last forever. And if I sit in that feeling for too long, like, I'll never do work again, because like, mm-hmm. everything is great. Like, no, this will pass. And you need to like squirrel away your nuts for the winter. So you'll have to work again. But when things are awful as well, you're like, yeah, this is this is going to pass. And the sun will rise. So this too shall pass. Yeah. I've seen that quote as a tattoo several times. And I've only ever thought about it in terms of the negative dark things in life that this too shall pass. But it's it's a really good idea to look at it from the, the positive yeah, that like, we need to And that's not to be say like... Moment bad things are on the way and you should yeah. be negative but it's like really enjoy this like because exactly. this is going to pass and stress will come again so yeah. just enjoy it brilliant so thank you so much stephanie for joining me and i'm so glad that you said yes to this podcast <laughs> i really appreciate well, it i've been listening to the podcast since uh i think since you started but also like following your instagram and i get a lot of hope inspiration and support from your instagram so thank you for being so brave and sharing everything that you do thank you very much stephanie Thank you for tuning in to the Thrive for Life podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it with Stephanie. If you did enjoy it, please leave a review or rating so that this podcast can reach more people who might also enjoy it or just share it with a friend. I love catching up with you guys on Instagram also, so catch me there at thriveforlife.ashlingdaily. So this is a bi-weekly podcast, so I'll be back again in two weeks time. It's released every second Thursday. So until then, take care.